Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Revelation, the first chapter, we're going to begin there this morning. As you know, of course, you know, every, every year people make New Year's resolutions. It's just part of the, I think it's kind of neat because uh, you know, God designed it that way, that we start every year anew uh, with new hope. Uh, maybe you had a really tough year. I've had many of those through the years, stepping into another year, having just uh, been through a real hard year. I've had those in my life. And, uh, but the one thing I, I endeavor to do every year is to try to step into the new year with expectation and hope in God. Everybody say amen to that. Maybe you had some setbacks, maybe you had some losses, maybe you had some turmoil, some heartbreaks in your life. But um, you come into the new year with expectation in the faithfulness of God because God is faithful to his word. And um, so the world, they make New Year's resolutions. Maybe it has to do with, Randy talked about this morning, it has to do with, you know, your eating habits. Maybe you want to change those. Maybe you want to, you know, work out more or work harder, work smarter, you know, um, uh, make different commitments of your life, make business stronger, whatever it is. They make resolutions. As a Christian, maybe yours might be, add to that. Maybe you want to uh, make a greater commitment to the, to the Bible, reading the Bible more this year. Maybe you need to set more time for, aside for prayer. Maybe it has to do with you coming to church and being more involved than you have been this past year. Whatever they may be, people make New Year's resolutions. But the bad news about that is that only 8% of resolutions that are made are reached. That means there's a 92% re uh, failure rate uh, for these resolutions. So it takes more than just a mental commitment. It takes a God-anointed commitment. Can I have an amen to that? And uh, so the first day of this new year, we were really praying about this. In fact, we got a text Vicky did from a, a young lady here in church, and it just, moved, uh, just really moved us in our hearts regarding the spiritual atmosphere of Faith Family Church and, and that we want to see uh, things change in the atmosphere in the sense of uh, that the anointing or the presence of God increases in our church services. Can I have an amen? We, just, we want that in your life every day, but we want it here, especially when we come together corporately as a church. And so for the first day of this new year as a believer, I think first and foremost, we need to just stop and, and just really judge and analyze the condition of our lives spiritually just to look deep within and be very, very transparent and very forthright before God. I mean, saying to God, God, how many agree that you need more of God this year than you did this past year? And, and I believe that's, that, that's a cry of all of our hearts. And, and the thing I want you to answer is questions like this. Am I more passionate for God at the beginning of this year as I was at the beginning of 2016? Am I, um, uh, have I progressed or regressed in my relationship with God? Am I stronger or weaker in my walk with God. These are the things we want to consider today, and I believe if you're honest with yourself that maybe you would say, hey, things need to change for me. Now, in the book of Revelation, I'm going to begin with verse 1. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. Verse 3, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it, listen to me, hear it and take it to heart. If there was ever a service that maybe you need to really pay attention to is the service this morning. Maybe some of you got a little bed a little late, but hopefully there's no hangovers here this morning. We'll cast the devil out of you. 
anyway, so this is a time to be listening to what the Spirit of God is saying at the beginning of the year, the first Sunday of the new year. He said, take, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So here John is the only disciple that lived out his life and died just a natural life. And, and they couldn't kill him. I mean, they, they cooked him in oil. I mean, I mean they, they tried to take this man's life, but they couldn't do it. They, they isolated him on this island of Patmos so that he wouldn't influence the world around him for Jesus. And, and the Bible says why they did it is because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I want you to know, uh, unless you just want to be part of a comfortable church that, where there's no conviction, if you, wanna, if you have a passion for Jesus and a passion for his word, persecution is going to arise for the word's sake because Jesus said it would. It just, I just want you to understand where your warfare is. Verse 10, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. This is the Lord's day, and we are in the spirit. And he's in the spirit, the Bible says, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write it on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergama, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands were some, was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a gold sash around his chest. And we know this is Jesus because it identifies him as we go on, but I skipped that because I need to keep going here. When I saw him, I, fa- I, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And everybody shout hallelujah. I hold the keys of death and Hades. So write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. I want you to catch that. Write down what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. Jesus is saying these things are coming to fruition, so you need to make sure that you're spiritually prepared for them. It's going to happen. Let's go on. Now, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels. Now, the word angels in the Greek literally means messengers. In in, in the Greek, it implies pastors. So he's talking to seven pastors of seven churches. And he he says, these are, uh, are, uh, the seven stars are the angels or pastors of seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And from there on, God reveals to John the spiritual condition of these seven churches, all right? And actually, if you study it, two were okay, but five were really in trouble with God. And, uh, and uh, dangerous compromises that would be evidenced and detrimental to the church worldwide in that present day and in the future, if not corrected. Revelation 2.1, write this letter to the angel or the pastor of the church in Ephesus, Again, to remind you, the book of Ephesians was written by the hand of Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it was written to 
the people, the believers in, a, in, uh, in Ephesus, uh, the Ephesian believers, okay? That's the first letter. And that whole letter, listen, that whole letter has to do with relationships. First, our relationship with God, and then our relationship with one another. He, uh, in Ephesians 3, he talks about the importance of love, that if we walk in love, we will literally be filled with the fullness of God. Come on, everybody. Amen. So that, that's what he's addressing here. And then he, chapter 6, he talks about the spiritual warfare that comes against those relationships. And, and what's surprising is John's first letter of warning is to this congregation. Listen, and, and the Holy Spirit is addressing the crack that they have in their spiritual armor. Instead of moving closer to God, they had literally drifted away from God, and they were in trouble, and they weren't even aware of it. Say, thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Chapter 2. Write this letter to the angel, the pastor of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in the right hand, in his right hand, and the one who holds among the, uh, uh, walks among the seven gold lampstands. And he goes, I know all the things that you do. So this morning, I'm going to give you three things the Holy Spirit did in his endeavor to get this church back on track. Three things, and I want you to write them down if, you, if you're taking notes. Number one, he commends them. The first, and and this, what's interesting is the Apostle Paul, when he writes his letters to the churches, he does the same thing. He first commends them before he corrects them. So number one, he commends them. Verse two, I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they're apostles, that word means ambassadors for Christ, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Is that amazing? How many agree that those are good things in a church? I mean, if I read those things, I'd want, I'd want those people in my church. People that work hard, that are committed. People that don't tolerate sin among the members. People who, are care- who carefully examine uh, those that really aren't walking with God so they don't, don't get, trapped by, um, get trapped into division. You have to be so careful who you let into your life. Especially with people that don't, their hearts are not here. You know, there's over 200 churches in Zoo Falls, and I'm sure many of them, I know many of them are very, very good. We're not the only church. But God does have a place for you to grow. And if you get uprooted, it could cost you a whole lot. Can I have an amen? <clears throat> you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Wow, this really sounds like a rocking church, a church that's on fire for Jesus. And yet, there were some challenges. But number one, God commends them. Number two, he counsels them. Write that down. Verse four, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me. This is the New Living Translation. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. I think it's so interesting when we meet people. How many love, I just love, I love meeting people. How many love meeting people? And you know, when you meet someone and you literally, you, have, you, you meet them and you literally know nothing about them, but you see they're smiling and they're nice to you, you go, oh, these people are nice. And you haven't got a clue what's in the closet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't have a clue what's in the closet. And guess what? When he opens the closet, you see yourself. Excuse me, I'll keep going. Come on, everybody. You open the closet and all of a sudden you, you see these people that have challenges and problems just like you do. But at first, when you first meet them, it's so fun because you don't know them. And, and Jesus said, 
I'm telling you, love never fails. Love, love covers a multitude of sins. And everybody say amen to that. I have this complaint against you. You don't love me and each other as you did at first. The New King James says this. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Now, I want you to say this to you this morning. How many agree that if there's a first love, there must be a second love and a third love and a fourth love? Absolutely. And God designed that from the very beginning. That's why he gave uh, Adam a wife, someone that he could not only love but receive love from. That's why God gave us a family, not only to love but to be loved from. That's why God gave us a church, not only to be loved but to be loved from. Can I have an amen? To be loved, to be accepted. So God had these other loves, but he said, my love has to be first and foremost. And then, then there's some loves that aren't good for you. God gave us, the parents uh, have this awesome love for their children and children back to their parents and sibling to sibling. All these things are good, but there are some loves that are not good. First John 2.15, do not love, do not cherish or love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. And when the Father's love is absent, your light begins to go dimmer and dimmer and dimmer in your life. I'm talking about your spiritual light. Now, it's interesting. He says the believers are leaving, not God. God said he would never leave you nor forsake you, but we can leave him. We can. How, how does one leave God when he's omnipresent? You do so within your heart. When you begin to value or deem other things in your life of greater worth and fulfillment than God. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's, it's absolutely true. And now, I say this not, not to anybody's detriment, but to awaken you. This past year, we ha- uh, this last year at this time, this balcony was almost full of people. And the lower level was full. And I don't know, you know, we, you know it's hard, you know, when you, when you, we used to sign people in, not so that we would check up on you and wonder what you're doing. And it was just simply, we, we could, it's hard for me to call you if, I, if you've been gone for four weeks, if I don't know you've been gone for four weeks. And, and it's true, when you're preaching the gospel, uh, then maybe it's other pastors different, but I, when I'm preaching, a lot of times I'm looking at people, I don't even see that they're there. And in fact, I've said to people, Randy, I didn't see you in church Sunday. Pastor, I was sitting in the front row. But it's just that, you know, I just don't see your faces, and maybe that's good, praise God. Amen. But, but, but many, and then all of a sudden, spring came, and whew, I mean, it's just like, and we, God was faithful, every need was met, but it's just, it's, just a, it, it's hard because when you're gone, you're not getting what you need. Can I have an amen? You're not getting the benefits of God's anointing that is a, that corporate anointing in your life. And so I just want to see some of this change for 2017. And we get a greater commitment to the house of God. If you agree with me, say amen. amen. So God doesn't leave, but we do within our hearts. It's, it's who or what we over time deem as fulfilling uh, that takes the place of God. It may be your family in part. I know today we've got things going, I mean, we got, we're going seven different directions in seven days, and if we're not careful, all of a sudden, God isn't to be found in our schedule. It may be your job or your career where God cannot be found. It may be your passion for entertainment or your um, love for an overused hobby. It may be, as Jesus said, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the loss of other things. And Jesus himself said, these are the things that choke the word so that your spirit becomes unfruitful in the nature of God. He's just telling, I mean, we, he wants to be so transparent with us to let us know the traps that we end up getting into. And if we're not careful, again, the light within us begins to grow dimmer and dimmer. 
And uh, in, uh, you see, the, what we need, Pastor Vicki, I got this morning at, uh, at uh, a little after four, and she was up watching Brother Copeland, and he was talking about the glory of God. Uh, the glory of God, I asked Riley this morning, I said, Riley, what's, what do you think the glory of God is? She stopped for a moment. She thought, she goes, his presence? I said, yes, his presence, his presence. We need the presence of God in our church. The presence of God drives out sickness and disease. The presence of God breaks generational curses. The presence of God delivers people from demons. Amen. The presence of God changes your life. We need, we need the presence of God in our services. And God, we get the presence of God in our services when we bring the presence of God in here in us. Can I have an amen? It's true. It's true. Yeah, we need it in our homes. Absolutely, we do. And, uh, you know, I thought about Moses. And uh, Moses, he, um, when he led the children of Israel out of, uh, out of Egypt, he's, he's got this unbelievable responsibility to bring them into the land that God promised. And it was weighing heavy on him. And in Exodus 33, he says, God, he says, please show me your glory. If you don't go with us, I will not be able to take them where you have planned. It's the same with us. We cannot take you spiritually where God has destined you to be without the glory of God, without the presence of God and the leadership of his spirit. We need that desperately, and that really comes, it just doesn't come from a pastor alone. It comes from the whole congregation drawing from the gift that is within. Can I have an amen? We need it desperately. Psalms 107 says this. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and loving kindness and his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with good. And everyone say amen. Back to Revelation 2 verse 5. Oh how, uh, uh, he says look or recognize how far you have fallen. The believers at Ephesus in time found themselves having fallen into just simply legalism. Their spiritual lives have become stale and sterile. What they thought was fruit was flesh. And though they had a form of godliness, the presence and life-changing anointing of God was no longer evident. And there, Jesus warned them that if they don't turn things around, they were going to, they were, he was going to snuff their light out. I'm telling you, when your light is snuffed out, listen, you have no vision and you have no direction. And I don't want that at Faith Family Church. I've always been wanting this. Sometimes the very things we say we would never do, many of those things we do. I would never do that. We do it. I would never say that. We say it. Come on, everybody. See, we, because it's just the human nature to repeat things that others are doing. Oh, I would never do that, and I end up doing it. And uh, that's why we have to, every day of our lives, be merciful, even as God is merciful to us. Can I have an amen? amen? And except for the Spirit of God intervening on behalf of that church, they would have never been able to make the correction. So num- number two, he, God counsels them for the sake of conviction and correction. Number three, God cautions them. Revelation 2 verse 5. Now look how far you have fallen and turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent... That word means reconsider and think differently. I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Amen. I just want to say, he said, you've got to stop now and think about how things were when you first. I mean, 
when Vicki and I first got saved, I mean, she was raised in a full gospel church. I was raised in a dead denomination and, 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 and didn't know God. But when we got saved, our passion was for the house of God. Our passion was to come and be around believers and grow together. We didn't hang around. I mean, I, you know, you've heard my testimony. It took me a while to get there just because, you know, I, I was just growing in God. So this thing of drug addiction and stuff wasn't easy for me to get, get around. But, but, but about a year and a half, remember I told you I made Jesus Lord of my life on January 31st, 1972, and it changed my life. I made him the master of my life. But her and I had a passion for the house of God, a passion for the people of God, a passion for the word of God. Amen. And we began to grow. You can't be going into this world, hanging around sinners, and expect for yourself to grow. You won't grow. You'll be drawn back into their trap. It's just true. It's true. And, um, and so he said, turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But I want you to notice something, the next verse, verse 6. He says this, but this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Now, who were the Nicolaitans? I, I, I um, found this uh, in one of the study Bibles. It's a sect of Jews who followed the teachings of Nicholas, whose name means one who conquers the people. One who conquers the people. You can't imagine the people in this church had been conquered by others who hated what we were doing. Conquered. And to this day, they, many of them, our lives are in a heap of trouble because they were conquered by those very people. Listen to this. He was, they say in history that he was possibly one of the deacons in the early church mentioned in Acts 6, 5 and became an apostate, an apostate, meaning an unbeliever, denying the true faith and joined a group that promoted the doctrine of Balaam which taught Israel that, remaining sexual immor- uh, that committing sexual immorality was acceptable to God. Clement of Alexandria, he penned this. They abandoned themselves to pleasure, leading lives of self-indulgent. Their teaching perverted grace and replaced liberty with license. They, like, they, like the Gnostics and other false teachers, abused the doctrine of grace and tried to introduce licentiousness, that means uh, sexual rudeness, um, in its place. Does that sound familiar? I had to write this scripture down for you, and, and that is this, Jude 1. Because Jude addresses this. Human behavior hasn't changed. Listen to what he says. Dear friends, I've been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. I I was going in one direction, but now I find that I must write about something else. And that is this, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted you once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied, that means disavowed or rejected, our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot reject something you haven't first accepted. So this is the days we live in. It's totally acceptable. There's nothing wrong, you know, with sex outside of marriage. There's nothing wrong with drinking and whatever else people do. And I'm not here to judge anybody. I I got to take care of myself, but... This, that's between you and your maker. But uh, I always say this, you know, I don't know how much you want to compromise before you find yourself in trouble. Amen. It's true. And so you have to consider these things. These were prophetic words of warning for the church of the last days, warning that we must recognize 
these things in order to not uh, in order to avoid repeating church history. We're living in the last days when heeding the word of God and the spirit of God is a matter of life and death, winning or losing, advancing or retreating. And our ability to remain strong and steadfast will be determined by our response to what the Spirit is saying today. So, what are, how are you doing personally in your spiritual life? This is, and I'm just asking you so you can ask yourself that question and be transparent before God. Because He's the only one that counts. He's the only one that can change your life. He's the only one that can respond to you in your day of trouble. The only one. Did you hear me? He's the only one. He's the only one that can witness inside of your heart that not only will he forgive you, but he'll set you free. The only one. So this is between you and God. So is your passion for God stronger or weaker than it was when you entered 2016? Is your spiritual life, has it been advancing? Or have you been regressing in your walk with God? Very important things to answer. I was... um, just real quick here, I was, I was sitting at the car wash, uh, I was sitting at the car wash, uh, getting uh, the truck washed, and, and there was a, a gentleman came in, I've known him for many, many, I've known him for 35 years that we've been here, or 36. That means when I met him, he was 45, now he's 81. And, uh, and he came in, and you know, I was a little bit surprised, because he had really aged in the last three or four years. And, um, but we sat down, and we're talking, he was, he was, he was born, uh, he, when he was born, he was baby dedicated right here in this building. He was, he was um, water baptized in this, in this tank right back here. And, and, and he grew up here his whole life until 1994 when we purchased this facility. And, and, uh, and then they, they, went, they went south. He was Baptist. They went south and built a new building down there. But as we were talking... He, I, he, I never, I'm not, I'm not asking him anything. He's just talking. And he goes, you know, I said, doesn't life go by fast? He goes, yeah, it really does. He said, you know, I, you know, I, I was, I was, I was, my life, that's where I grew up in your church. I said, I know. He said, uh, and, uh, and I grew up and, and stayed right here and, and built a business. He did, built a very successful business that's still here today and, uh, and doing very, did very well financially. But he looked at me and said, with sadness in the heart, he said, you know, I've been a Christian my entire life, but I have done very little to advance God's kingdom. And he said it was sadness. And I thought, my goodness, 81 years old, born and raised here, and didn't make an impact on people's lives. I don't want that when I get older. I want to know that I made a difference in someone's life. Not in my life, but in someone else's life. That I was able to let this light shine that all men might see a Christ in me, the hope of glory. Can I have an amen? Amen. So anyway, John ends this letter with verse 7. Anyone who hath ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. There's one more verse that's so important, Joel 2. I I need to read this and then we're going to pray together. Therefore also now, says the Lord, turn and keep on coming to me all with all your heart and with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning until every hindrance is removed of the broken fellowship, uh, and the broken fellowship is restored. 
Rend your hearts and not your garments. What's he saying? Don't let just this be an external expression of remorse. If it's just the emotional thing, it's not going to work. You've got to look deep inside and say, God, I need your help. God, I need your help. Things are not going. That didn't go well last year, and I really absolutely need to get back to you and get close to you. Rend your hearts and not your garments and return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and he revokes his sentence of evil when his conditions are met. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray this morning. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.